but this is, this is the introduction. It's the start. And uh, so this will probably take us the rest of the night. But um, sit back, enjoy, be ready to learn and grow as we're introduced uh, to the Holy Spirit. friends, you're getting ready to go through the M series on the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you, please get a hold of the guide. The guide, of course, is the writing that goes along with this message as well as the devotional and the workbook. And let me tell you why this is important. I find that meditation strengthens us in faith and in the Word of God. And as you go through the devotional, as you go through the workbook, we have things worked in there so intricately to really stir your faith and propel your faith and get you to go even deeper on this most important subject. You know, the Holy Spirit, He is the only one of the Godhead that is actually here on this earth. He is the one that reveals, glorifies, and magnifies our Lord Jesus Christ. The better we get to know Him, the better we get to know Jesus. So getting the guide will solidify the Word of God that you hear in these classes in your heart so that you can begin the wonderful, wonderful walk and journey with life living in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Hope you enjoy the M series. God bless you. We are here in our offices in Palmer Lake, Colorado, and I am so delighted to have some of our closest partners and friends and staff here, so I can sense the hunger. I mean, I feel like this section coming out of me right now. It's kind of amazing. You guys are beautiful. I like looking at you. I think because you are full of the Holy Spirit, that's why you're so handsome and beautiful. Amen? But what we're talking about is the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to tell you something. This past month of my life has just been really, really amazing. It started about a month ago. I was on a fast and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, read the book of Acts. Now, the ironic part of this is the last time I went on an extended fast, the Holy Spirit said, read the book of Acts. And I was like, okay. And as I read through the book of Acts the time previous, I remember what stood out is the Apostle Paul. His calling upon his life was to go to the Gentiles. But because of his natural love, he kept going first in every city to the synagogues, to his Jewish countrymen. And the result of that was he kept getting in trouble and trouble and trouble. And the greatest trouble that was caused for him was from those Jewish people. And God spoke to me in that fast and said, stay within what I've called you to do because if you go outside of it, you're asking for trouble. And so this time... As I read through the book of Acts, I was amazed at how something different stood out to me. And that is, I began to notice right from the beginning, for the apostles, the leaders, the believers in the book of Acts, how much they looked to, how much they interacted with, how much they depended on, and how much they spoke of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it was jumping out everywhere, all over the place. And so I realized he was a vital, vital part of their lives and involved in everything they do. I mean, just listen to some of the comments just from the book of Acts, and these are not all of them. It reads something like this, we are his witnesses to these things, and so also 
also is the Holy Spirit. They, we read, the Spirit told me to go with them. One of them showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine, being sent out by the Holy Spirit. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. They tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified. Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go to Macedonia. The Holy Spirit tells me that in city after city, take heed to yourselves and all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? You always resist the Spirit. Are you seeing how much they talked about the Holy Spirit? So I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm not really witnessing this today in my day. Why is it that we don't talk about Him? Are you with me? So I'm going to make some upfront statements here that I just think need to be declared. Number one, there is virtually no Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Alright? Without the Holy Spirit, Christianity becomes dry, monotonous, and mundane. It Remove the Holy Spirit from the church and it will morph into a social club or become a religious institution. There is no love without the Holy Spirit. There is no revelation without the Holy Spirit. And as a matter of fact, the Scriptures become lethal without the Holy Spirit because 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 says, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. There is no vision without the Holy Spirit. There's no joy without the Holy Spirit. There's no peace without the Holy Spirit. There's no freedom without the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, the Lord is the Spirit. That's interesting right there. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now hold on a minute. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. So we need a better understanding of what He's really saying here. A better translation of what He was saying was, wherever the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. He is not allowed to be Lord. What does Lord mean? Supreme in authority. He's not allowed to be a Lord in every home, in every Christian's life, in every church. Where He's not allowed to be Lord, you don't have freedom. You end up becoming dry. You lose your joy. You lose your rest. You don't have passion for life. I'm 50-some years old. I can't believe I just said that. (laughs) And I'm still as passionate about life as when I first got filled with the Spirit of God at the age of 19 back in June of 1979. So now you can tell how old I am, all right? And so, you know, the purpose of... I want to say of what we're teaching here is to introduce you to the person of the Holy Spirit. Volumes could be written. I could preach for weeks on the Holy Spirit. I mean, can you imagine if I stood up here and tried to tell you about Lisa Bevere in four sessions? There's no way. I've been married to this amazing woman for 30 years now. And I'm going to tell you something. I am still growing in my knowledge an understanding of her, her personality, her ways every single day. And there is absolutely no way I could tell you about her in four sessions. I could introduce you to her. I could tell you how to 
uh, to contact her, how, how best to interact with her, how to listen to her, how to work with her. I could get you started, but I'm not going to tell you everything about her. So if you're expecting me to tell you everything about the Holy Spirit in these sessions, forget it, baby. Because you know, Lisa's only 30. He's from everlasting to everlasting. Okay? So he's a bit older than Lisa. Got it? So anyway, here's a tragic mistake that every single Christian makes. And that is this. They have tried, they have attempted to study and understand the work of the Holy Spirit without first coming to know Him intimately as a person. You make a great mistake when you do that. You know, it's so important that we establish it, settle it in our hearts. Whether the Holy Spirit is a divine person who's infinitely holy, infinitely wise, infinitely powerful, yet yet wonderfully tender, wonderfully sensitive, and wonderfully uh, compassionate. One who is worthy to receive our love, our adoration, our faith, our devotion, our complete surrender. Or, if the Holy Spirit is simply an influence emanating from God, a divine mystical power, kind of like those who think of the spirit of generosity, or the spirit of democracy. The latter view, it's crude, it's shallow, it's even cultic. And if we believe like that, it opens us up to spiritual pride. Because we almost can strut around as being a higher order of Christian and look down on other people. Are you with me? However, if we understand Him to be infinite in majesty, glory, splendor, might, and wisdom and holiness, and that He as a person has agreed with the Father and the Son to come and make His residence in us and to make our life good, then it puts us on our face and keeps us there in humility. Are you with me? And so, you know... People who see God as an influence, who see the Holy Spirit as just a divine entity. You know what they constantly will be saying? I want more of the Holy Spirit. People who understand Him to be a wonderful yet mighty person will say, how much more can I give myself to Him? You don't walk around with a spiritual pride because you feel like you got more of somebody else. You realize, how can I give myself to this wonderful Creator more and more and more. Can you say amen? amen? One of the reasons some of the people perceive the Spirit of God as a mere influence rather than a person is because they refer to Him as an it. You know, the Spirit, it. They'll say it. If I had one dollar for every time I've heard in all my Christian ministry for 30 years of one dollar for every time somebody referred to the Holy Spirit as an it, I'd be very wealthy. You know that? You know, many view the Holy Spirit as a holy entity rather than one who is most holy and desires to be your closest friend. If they would just meditate on the Scripture and just read it and allow the Scripture to open up, they would realize that the Holy Spirit has a mind. Romans 8.27 talks about the mind of the Spirit. That He has a will. 1 Corinthians 12.11 says He distributes each of His gifts as He wills. He has emotions as spoken about by His love and His joy in Romans 15, Galatians 22 and Ephesians 4.30 says that He could be made sad and sorrowful. He comforts. 
He speaks. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7 says, in fact, he speaks clearly. 1 Timothy 4, 1 tells us. He teaches. I don't know any dumb teachers, do you? I know teachers to be people who communicate, correct? He can be grieved. He can be made sad and sorrowful. Ephesians 4, 30. He can be insulted. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. He can be resisted. Acts 7, 51. And he can be lied to. Acts chapter 5. Our first impression of the Holy Spirit, it's a dove. Why is that? Because in all four Gospels, we read that the Spirit of God descended on Jesus like a dove. But can I make a statement? Don't we make statements like this? She runs like the wind. He is strong like an ox. Does that make her a wind? Does that make him a four-footed animal? Absolutely not. But somebody says, yeah, but John, he is represented as flames before the throne of God. Well, can I tell you also that in the Bible it says, I looked and behold in the midst of the elders in heaven stood a lamb as though it had been slain. That was how John described Jesus. Jesus certainly isn't a four-footed animal that is a lamb. Just like the Holy Spirit is not some mystical fire burning in front of God's throne. Are you with me? So who is the Holy Spirit? He is the third person of the Godhead. Genesis 1.26 said, Then God said, Let us, us, make man in our image, our image, according to our likeness. God didn't say, Let me make man. Let us make man. If you look at Acts 10.38, you see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all distinctly identified how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. You've got God the Father anointing Jesus with the Holy Spirit. There's the three right there. When Jesus was baptized at the River Jordan, the three manifest as totally different persons. You have Jesus our Lord being baptized by John. You have Him coming up and the Spirit of God descending on Him like a dove, and you have God the Father speaking from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So three distinct persons, yet one God. Because Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. If you look at Romans 3.30, there is one God who will justify. James 2.19, you believe there is one God. You do well. An example to help you understand is you've got water. How many of you know water takes three different forms? You've got steam, you've got liquid, you've got solid, which is ice. But all three have the exact same molecular makeup. Three distinct forms, but yet it's one. Are you with me? That's the Father, that's the Son, that's the Holy Spirit. Amen? He is actually the first member of the Godhead that appears in the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What's verse 2 say? The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. He shows up right in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. So who is the Holy Spirit? We got to ask that, amen? He is the most amazing 
wonderful, beautiful, kind, tender, sensitive, mighty person on the face of this earth. You say, John, on the face of this earth? Oh, yeah, on the face of this earth. Because you have to understand the Father is not here on earth. He's on his throne in heaven. Jesus is not here on the earth. I hear people say all the time, Jesus is in my heart. He's seated at the right hand of God. And the angel specifically said, while the, this is Acts 1, 9 and 11, while the disciples watched, Jesus was taken up and a cloud received them out of their sight. The two angels said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. In other words, he's going to come in the clouds. Has he come in the clouds? No. There's some people that might think that, but, you know, they're out in a ranch somewhere, you know, where we can't find them, but he hasn't come in the clouds yet. That means he's at the right hand of God in heaven. Because when Stephen was being stoned, Stephen looked and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at his right hand. I love that. How Jesus stood for his martyr to come home. I just love that. But you see, Jesus has been there ever since, you know, approximately 2,000 years ago. He's not, he's not here. I don't care how much you say he's in your heart. It's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Because the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of God the Father. Matthew 10, 20, Jesus made the statement, It is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Do you know who's speaking through me right now? The Spirit of my Father. You know, I used to, and I even tried it here before this taping, I used to try to, you know, preach my message. Oh, anybody that's ever preached before, that is a miserable, miserable thing. Because it's horrible. I can't preach. But then all of a sudden, what happens? The Spirit of my Father comes on me, and I begin to speak the Word of God. Are you with me? Oh, I love Him. He's so amazing. He's never left me dry. He's never left me out to dry. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He is the Spirit of God the Son. I said the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God the Son. Philippians 1.19, For you know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. How do the three work together? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 5 through 7 gives us a little window into it. We read, and there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. That would be Jesus. There's differences of operations, but the same God which worketh all in all. That's God the Father. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So you can see what this shows us. It gives us an insight of how they work together. So we've got the Father operates, all right? That's verse 6. Or in other words, He initiates. We have the Son who administrates. And then we have the Holy Spirit who manifests. Now, to help you get an understanding of this, let's say we want to build a house, okay? If we're going to build a house, what happens? You've got an architect, you've got a foreman, and you've got the people that actually build the house, the workers, right? The subs, right? Well, in that illustration, this is crude, but it works. God the Father's the architect, Jesus is the foreman, and the Holy Spirit's the workers that actually build the house. He's the manifester of creation. Are you with me? Because Jesus said in Matthew 12, 28, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God. Now you hear that? If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, but Luke's gospel records it this way. If I cast out demons with the finger of God. So, exact same situation, 
Matthew writes, Spirit of God. Luke writes, Finger of God. So the Holy Spirit is the finger of God. Now, listen, there's something you got to understand. The Greeks always wrote according to form. You've got their statues and all that stuff. They're into all that stuff. The Hebrew writers would always write according to function. So that's why he's not actually fingers. This is like if I was trying to communicate to you how the Holy Spirit is. My hand does the work that my head desires my hand to do. You see, he's revealed as the finger of God, the hand of God, the arm of God. He delivered them with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. He delivered them by his spirit. If you look at Psalm 8:3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers. So the Holy Spirit is the one who actually put those stars in their orbit, put the moon and the earth, because he says, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. He's the one that manifested all creation. That's why he's hovering upon the waters, waiting for the architect to initiate and the sun to administrate by saying, light be, because Jesus is the word of God. So when light be was spoken, that was the sun. Are you with me? Administrating what the Father said to do, and the Holy Spirit made it happen. <laughs> I love that. Man, that is so good. Are you with me? I mean, got to be my favorite scriptures in the Bible on the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 40, verse 12. Who else? Now listen to these words. Who else has held the ocean in his hand? Think about it. He held the entire ocean in his hand. Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers. So you can see the Holy Spirit's being described here by his function. Okay? Who else knows the weight of the earth or who has weighed the mountains in a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? No way, baby. Does he need instruction about what is good? Does someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No. For all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. That's the spirit of the Lord. Do you see how mighty he is? Do you understand how mighty he is? Remember when I said he has agreed with the Father and the Son to come make his residence in us? It puts us on our face. Can you say amen? Amen. In regard to the creation of mankind, Genesis 2-7, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Who did that? The Holy Spirit. How do I know that? Because Job said in Job 33, verse 4, The Spirit of God has made me. And the breath of the Almighty gives me life. He was the one that breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. Not only just Adam, but each of us as well. Because Psalm 139 verse 13 says, You formed, listen to this, You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. In fact, the Spirit of God formed everything we see. Proverbs 26.10 says, The great God who formed everything. He's the one that manifested the creative desire of the Father. Are you with me? So the Holy Spirit, He's God. How, how is He referred to? What are His names as revealed by the Word of God? 
He's called the Holy Spirit 96 times in the Bible. He's called the Spirit of the Lord 28 times. He's called the Spirit of God 26 times. He's called the Eternal Spirit. He's called the Helper. He's called the Comforter. He's called the Holy One. He's called the Lord. He's called the Spirit of Truth. He's called the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Counsel. The Spirit of your Father. The Spirit of the Fear of the Lord. The Spirit of Glory. The Spirit of Grace. He's called the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of Judgment. The Spirit of Burning. The Spirit of Knowledge. The Spirit of Life. The Spirit of Love. The Spirit of Might. The Spirit of Power. The Spirit of Prophecy. The Spirit of Revelation. The Spirit of a Sound Mind. The Spirit of Understanding. The Spirit of Wisdom. The Spirit of Holiness. I love that. The Spirit of the Holy God. Jesus depended upon the Holy Spirit. He was conceived by the Spirit. He was taught by the Spirit. He was empowered by the Spirit. He did not do one miracle until He was baptized in the Spirit at the River Jordan because John's Gospel says the first miracle He did was at Canaan of Galilee. After He was baptized, the Spirit came upon Him. He was led by the Spirit. He only spoke what He heard the Spirit speaking. John 14.10, Jesus said, The words that I speak to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, He does the works. Notice Jesus did not say, The Father in heaven. He said, The Father who dwells in me. Wait a minute, John. Wait a minute. You mean He's referring to the Holy Spirit as His Father? Well, why wouldn't He? Because listen to what the angel said to Joseph. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So why wouldn't He call Him the Spirit of my Father? Are you with me? Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they work together as one. Side by side when He was on this earth. In fact, Jesus made the statement, the Son can do nothing of Himself. If Jesus needed this ongoing partnership with the Holy Spirit to complete His mission, His God-given mission, how much more do we need the empowerment of the Spirit to complete our mission? No one knows the Holy Spirit better than Jesus. So we need to look to Him first, Jesus, to really understand how we are to interact with this amazing person of the Godhead. Can you say amen? amen? And so, Jesus says in John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. An unbeliever cannot receive Him. Because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You know, there's so many nuggets, but first of all, notice Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, isn't it interesting? He prefaces talking about the Holy Spirit in obeying Him, His Lordship, His Word. You know what's interesting is Peter says in Acts 5.32 that we are His witnesses to these things and so also is the Holy Spirit who God has given to those who obey Him. Why don't we talk about that? 
God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey Him. Now notice Jesus said, I'm going to give you another helper. Now look at the word another. There are two Greek words that are translated another all through the New Testament. The two Greek words are heteros and alos. All right? Heteros means another of a different sort. Alos means another of the same kind. The question we have to ask is, what is Jesus talking about here? Now, let me make sure you understand. David, come here. All right, so here's David. Now, David, give me this. All right, now, if I give... David, you're going to stand up here. If I give David an apple, and David eats that apple, and I say, David, do you want another? If I give him an orange, I gave him another piece of fruit, but it's another of a different sort. If I give him another apple, it's another of the same kind. This would be heteros. This would be alas. Which word is Jesus using? Thank you, David. Which word is Jesus using here? He's using the word alas. So he is saying the Holy Spirit is going to be just like me. Identical. He says, I'm going to give you another helper. Everybody say helper. Helper. The Greek word there is parakletos. Interestingly enough, this word is used to describe Jesus when it says we have an advocate with the Father in 1 John chapter 2. That is actually the word in describing Jesus' function with us as parakletos. So what does this Greek word mean? It actually comes, it, it was actually used to describe a lawyer who would plead someone's case. Also, it was used to describe a personal counselor or a coach. Now, parakletos can be broken up into two words, para and kaleo. Para means this, very close. Paul used this word para to describe his relationship with Timothy. There was nobody closer to Paul than the apostle Timothy, right? He used that word to describe Timothy's closeness to him. Are you following me? My wife, Lisa, she is para to me. There is nobody closer to me on the face of the earth than Lisa Bevere. I would use that word in describing my relationship. Are you seeing this? Now, kaleo means to beckon or to call. This word is frequently used in Scripture when the apostles were describing their calling. In other words, when Paul said, I am called an apostle to the Gentiles. Are you with me? That word calling has a destiny to it. It has a permanence to it. Are you following it? So you put those two together and you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying the Holy Spirit is permanently called alongside of us to coach us in our life walk with God. This actually is His calling and assignment and He does it permanently because Jesus said He'll abide with you forever. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that good? Jesus is communicating exactly the way I have been with you is the way He's going to be with you. Are you with me? Frequently I hear people say, oh, if I could have only walked with Jesus, I would have asked so many questions. Why aren't you asking the Holy Spirit these questions? Do you think He's an entity? Do you think He's just an influence come from God? Or do you really believe He's a person? If you believe he's a person, you would be asking questions because you would know he is all-knowing. Are you with me? I have said this before. I'm going to say it again. I think he's one of the most ignored people in the church. Are you with me? Because how many times do we go into church and he's not even mentioned or looked to? How many times do Christians go through their day and not say one word to the one who is permanently called 
within them to walk with them. Are you with me? Jesus made this statement mind-blowing. John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Stop and think about it. He's been with these guys for three and a half years. Everything he's ever said has come to pass. He said, when be still, it was still. He said, you're going to find a donkey over here. And sure enough, without having to go to eBay or Craigslist, he told him right where to get the donkey, right? Yes. I mean, man, he, he, he knew there was a thief on the staff, said it and manifested. He said what was going to happen to him in Jerusalem, according to the, the, the elders and turning into the hands of sinners. Everything comes to pass okay, that he speaks. And then he's got to preface this statement after being with him for three and a half years is I'm telling you the truth. So in other words, what he's about to say to these guys is so mind blowing. He wants to make sure they understand that he's not lying to them. The one who never lied and can't lie is saying, I got to tell you the truth. This is the truth, guys. What is, what's the rest of the verse? It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper, Paracletos, will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. Now, the New Living Translation, I like it even better. He says, it is best for you that I go away. Why is it best for us that Jesus went away? Why? Why? Well, just think about it. If Jesus stayed and we wanted to talk to him and have him teach us, we'd have to catch a flight to Tel Aviv, rent a car, okay? Drive to Galilee. It's not hard to find because you've got a couple hundred thousand people around waiting to get to the center so they could ask him their question. And you know, he did have to sleep and he did have to eat. So maybe he's got, you know, 14 good hours to give us. And people are coming in by the mass to talk to him. But when you think about the Holy Spirit being just like Jesus, teaching just like Jesus, amplifying the things of God like Jesus, the Holy Spirit doesn't have to sleep. He doesn't have to eat. He can carry on 10,000 conversations at the same time intimately with 10,000 different people. That's why Jesus said it's better for you that I go away. So in the next session, we're going to talk about being intimate with this wonderful God. It's a powerful beginning, and uh, in the weeks to come, uh, he talks about how do we develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, prayer time took a little bit longer than, than I had planned, uh, but that's because the Holy Spirit wanted to do that, so that's good. But this is what I'd like us to do before we go, and I, I, we'll have time to do this. Um, I'm going to pray a blessing over you, and, and what I'm going to ask you to do before you go, though, is I'd like you to get together with two, three, four, five other people, not, probably not more than five, so everybody can talk. And this is what I'd like to do, because I believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to us here in this beginning session. And in, in that group of people... Uh, I'm just going to ask you to share, what did the Holy Spirit speak to you? What's your takeaway from this first session? Um, so if, if, if we could do that, and you might just need to uh, move and, and gather around together. I know it's, uh, we're a little spread out tonight. But um, if you could do that, I would really appreciate it before we go, just to seal what the Holy Spirit spoke to us tonight. So again, just share, what's your takeaway? What, what did the Spirit speak to you? And then I just encourage you to come back next week as we talk about developing the relationship with the Holy Spirit and then invite other people uh, to come as well to learn about the Holy Spirit. And, and the other talks qu aren't quite as long as this. This is kind of an introductory uh, presentation on the Holy Spirit. But let's just receive the blessing of the Lord, and then I'm going to let you guys talk uh, before, you, before you head home. 
May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he smile on you, be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I just thank you for tonight. Um, Lord, your presence has been so sweet in worship and prayer. Um, Lord, we've been challenged by this teaching. And uh, God, we don't want to leave this place without sealing what you've done. And God, I pray that uh, beginning tonight and in the weeks to come, Holy Spirit, that we would develop that intimate and real relationship with you. And um, so, Holy Spirit, come into our lives like never before. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.